G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. We're going to start with perhaps a disturbing fact or two about the way that things are changing, the sorts of issues, the sorts of things that are shaping the lives of our children and uh, for some of us, perhaps our grandchildren. Facts like 9 out of 10 boys and 6 out of 10 girls are exposed to pornography before the age of 18. The average first exposure to pornography among boys is just 12 years. Well, we are going to be talking about a new DVD series. It's called Pornia, and it's put together by Brad Huddleston. Uh, He's going to be joining us for our conversation through this next hour uh, on the phone, live from the United States in the state of Virginia, where it's early evening in the United States. Well, Brad is an internationally respected speaker, consultant, teacher and author on the important issues such as technology and culture. Now, he's worked with universities and schools, churches, law enforcement, and he's spoken to tens of thousands around the world on both the advantages of well-used technology tools and the dangers of the growing trend towards technology addiction. Brad's an ongoing collaborator with the Bureau of Market Research and its Neuroscience Division at the University of South Africa, and uh, he's also author of Digital Cocaine, A Journey Toward Eye Balance and The Dark Side of Technology, Restoring Balance in the Digital Age. We're going to talk through a whole bunch of uh, very uh, engaging issues in this coming hour, and I want to invite you to be a part of our conversation. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. Whether it's a question, or whether it's a comment, whether you're at your wit's end and you don't know what to do, where to go next, or 1-800-316-316, as we make a special welcome to Brad Huddleston. Brad, welcome along to 2020. Neil, thank you so much. I am I can't tell you how honored I am to be part of the Division Christian Radio family and uh, that you would have me on your show yet again. Thank you. Well, I think we had such a good time last time. I thought we can't resist the opportunity to have you back and the topic isn't going away anywhere, Brad. In fact, uh, if, even if we feel like uh, we uh, we strike a few chords in this next hour, it m- won't mean that uh, the problems will be solved. Uh, we do need to keep talking about this whole issue. Let me just ask you, come back to some definitions as we get our conversation underway. Uh, your new DVD series is called Pornia. Now, most people will align that with the idea of pornography, but uh, give us a quick definition and the reason for that title for this DVD series. Well, Neil, as you do, I I love the Lord with all of my heart, and I look to His Word for for every issue of life and guidance in my own life. And the word porneia is a Greek word that appears 26 times in the New Testament. God created sex, and He created it to be beautiful, and He created it to be between one man and one woman, and obviously that's been perverted. And if you look at that word itself, it, of course, just means illicit sexual intercourse— 
and that can be with the opposite sex, the same sex, and 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 I apologize in advance when you talk about pornography. Now we have to talk about all kinds of really vile things, a lot of which I will not even talk about today, but things such as bestiality and and a whole host of things that have sprung up, and we're seeing children getting involved in these sort of things. So it also means adultery. It's most commonly translated fornication, which it certainly does mean that, but the, the term is a bit broader than that. It can mean homosexuality, lesbianism, and uh, so uh, another thing, unfortunately, that we're seeing a tremendous rise in, uh, that would be incest. Uh, I was in Los Angeles last week speaking and had two people confess that, uh, at least the temptation for that. And so these very vile things that are getting worse and worse is what I looked into, and I was originally asked to look into this by a church in South Africa because they were having children as young as 10 years of age brought in for counseling for pornography addiction. They would stumble across it accidentally, or it would find them on tablets in their bedrooms, and the church there uh, didn't quite know how to handle all of it, and so they asked me to come in to deal with it. And that pushed me to look deeper into the neuroscience, of course, God's Word. And out of that came this five-part series called Pornea, and we geared it toward uh, individuals as well as small groups. And the next endeavor will be, for me, will be to write a workbook to go along with it. Brad, tell me about this neuroscience connection, and uh, perhaps we need some reminding of just how neuroscience works, because we're talking about a science of the brain, and when we connect the science of what happens in our brain with the things that uh, we see and the things that affect us, uh, how does the neuroscience uh, interest that you have uh, fit so well with the topic that we're talking about today? Well, personally, I think that neuroscience has been a godsend to us. Uh, now, look, for, for me and you, Neil, we only need the Word of God to know that pornography is bad and we should stay away from it. But for those who are, are finding their way to Christianity, uh, some people need a bit more convincing, not only that the Word of God deals with it, but scientifically we can now prove that this is extremely damaging. So essentially, with the neuroscience, there are a number of ways to get inside of the brain and have a look at what's going on. The most common way would be through MRIs. A lot of people have had a functional or a magnetic resonant imaging scan of their body where you lay on the table, you go into the little tube there with a magnetic cylinder around you, and it takes a deep body scan. Well, now there are these machines, or added onto the machines, I should say, are helmets with these little sensors attached to the scalp. And you can have people, as they lay in the MRI, uh, do things in real time, such as look at pornography or do social media or Google or play video games. And in real time, you can look at the brain's reaction to these various stimuli. You can see in some cases where things are helped, and you can see in some cases where damage is being done. So in the case of pornography, for example, you can see these extreme areas light up in the brain, signaling that it's receiving way too much stimulation. And as you would know, uh, I have written a book, and I have a DVD called Digital Cocaine. And when you talk about digital stimuli, uh, it's most often in neuroscience circles when people overdo it and misuse it. When you look in the brain, it's compared to cocaine addicts' brains. So when you scan their brains, you scan a digital addict's brain, you're hard-pressed to find the difference between the two because stimulation is stimulation, and the addiction and the stimulation happens in the exact same area of the brain. When it comes to pornography, though, uh, it's sort of been set out now in the neuroscience community as a polydrug effect. Not only is it the extreme stimulation of cocaine, but it is also as if they have mixed heroin with it. It is that toxic, and you can you can see this. 
And that has led then to a whole host of problems where a porn addict, unlike a, a video game addict, doesn't necessarily have to have greater quantities of the porn. But what they end up doing is seeking out something novel or new, and it has to get progressively taboo, or we Christians would say perverted. And that leads to a discussion about in neuroscience circles about these little highways that form in the brain called porn ruts. You think of that sort of as a, of a little filter whereby if you've been looking at straight pornography, when you come out into the real world and you look, if you are straight and you're a male, for example, and you look at a female, you are hard, you'll find it very, very hard or difficult to look at that female in her purity because it'll go into that rut. And you think of it as a filter and it'll kind of transpose all of that porn over top of her image and you will lust. You will not be able to not wonder what she looks like uh, underneath the clothes. And then uh, that will wear off uh, after a while, and you won't be able to be stimulated. And so the taboo and the new comes in. You will search out another subgenre of pornography. And you don't have to look long, but you need to jolt the system to keep the system excited because it's building up a resistance, just like drugs build up. So you have to push it harder and harder to continue generating large and large amounts of these chemicals, mainly dopamine. So what ends up happening then, what we're finding, and this has been very disturbing, uh, young people are turning to gay porn, and they're not necessarily gay, but the straight porn, for example, doesn't do it anymore. And so in order to be stimulated, they will look at gay porn, and then they get very disturbed because a porn rut then forms toward boys, and they find it very uncomfortable, uh, especially if they're not homosexual or gay. They start to look at their, their friends who are male, and they start to struggle with lust toward them, and, and they, they start to uh, really get troubled. But what scares me, and I often tell them this, what scares me is that that's not going to last for a while, that, that you will, your brain will get used to that, and then you'll have to jump to something more taboo. And the research, and, and this, a lot of this is anecdotal from law enforcement and my conversations with various other folks. Um, what we do know, one of the subgenres of porn that they're turning to to joke the system is child pornography. And so that's led to discussions about the deep web. The FBI here in America has now parked in the deep web at these sites, and if an IP address from a home visits more than twice, the home will be raided, and the parents will be arrested. All the hard drives and devices will be confiscated, and an investigation will ensue. So it's getting worse, and the demand for my speaking has grown to help deal with this. And, Neil, I thank you for allowing me to come on, but I have to be honest with you. The church is a little late to the conversation, uh, as we often are, but but God is bigger, and so we tackle this. Well, I want to invite listeners to join into this conversation today, and when you hear uh, the idea the church is late to the conversation, uh, what does that mean to you as a listener? Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316 to talk about a biblical Christian response uh, within your own life, within your own family, within your own church community, in the broader, wider community. Uh, the conversation uh, is uh, up for some direction today. You can help direct how the conversation goes, 1-800-316-316. Brad, what happens, and you've already, I guess, begun to describe it, but when a society becomes saturated by pornography, uh, you've begun to describe a... Uh, uh, a spiraling downward, uh, a, a way in which things uh, continue to get worse and worse. Uh, when we look at things, you know, if we look out into the general community, things look okay, 
Uh, is there something, though, we ought to be considering as Christian believers that perhaps there's a thin veil there and beneath that uh, people are really struggling with this whole issue? Yeah, yes, Neil, absolutely. Normalization is a, is a problem. Um, for a lot of people, because it's not been discussed a lot from behind the pulpit, um, females, uh, for example, the, the number of females, as you mentioned in your statistics at the opening, are growing. And so normalization is happening, and because it's not discussed, people, uh, I think, have a tendency to, to say, well, uh, there's nothing wrong with this. This is helping in my marriage, my sex life in my marriage. And so couples are turning to it. And at the same time you seek out stimulation, a very hideous thing happens alongside of it, and that is this anhedonic condition that I've spoken about quite a bit, even on, this, uh, on your show and, and in the morning show as well. But this anhedonic condition is basically a numbing of the pleasure center. So as you oversaturate the nucleus accumbens of the brain, which is the area where we feel pleasure, you end up numbing it as well. And so the way that manifests itself in society and in Christian society is that husbands, for example, who get addicted to porn, they begin to lose feeling uh, toward humans, which would include their spouse and their children. They become distant and they stop taking an interest in the kids and raising the kids because what they're doing, they have to go to work, so they spend time at work. But the remaining time, they're stimulating themselves with pornography, and and often video games are tied to that as well. The average age of a video gamer is 32. It's not a teenage problem predominantly. It is, but it's it's a 32-year-old problem as well. So the numbing effect happens, and then when you numb yourself, we know that in the nucleus accumbens, That is where all pleasure is derived, and that would also mean pleasure in spiritual pursuits, such as your devotion and those moments where the Holy Spirit comes and the Word of God jumps off of those pages and becomes rhema and life to your spirit. You'll find those activities boring because you're numb to things that are less stimulating, and so your brain wants to have extreme stimulation. And so while you're getting this extreme stimulation, when you are not being stimulated, you have feelings that are greatly diminished toward normal things, and so you begin to act abnormal. And so that's where the distance will come in a marriage. That's where a husband or a wife, if a female is addicted to pornography, she finds her husband non-stimulating, so you can see the marital fallout. Uh, When you're looking at going to church, for example, uh, churches uh, have had the up the ante with the fog machines and the lights. And, Neil, I know I'm treading on dangerous ground when I say this. I'm not against anything. I don't want to bring legalism into this. But I did write in my book, we really need to distinguish between anointing and dopamine and make sure that the anointing is greater than the entertainment value. Nothing wrong with entertainment. But we should value spiritual things above that. But we've had to entertain people because they've saturated themselves so much at home long before they ever get to church that by the time they get there we as ministers feel like we have to up the entertainment ante because they find us boring and pornography is the number one thing that causes anhedonia anhedonia used to only be found in schizophrenics people with major depressive disorders and severe drug addicts and now it is very prolific in people who uh, are addicted to pornography and it is very prolific in children whose parents use those devices as babysitters. And, Neil, I have to say, as I always do, I know this is scary, but God did not bring me on your show or any other uh, avenue of media to scare parents or to condemn them. Far from it. 
I believe with all of my heart that the purpose that God has me in these videos and in these writings is because God is on a digital rescue mission. He loves us, he misses us, and he wants to heal us and restore the feeling. So please don't think that I'm just throwing this out there to shock people. It is shocking, but I'm throwing it out there like this because I believe wholeheartedly that God is calling us to turn around, which is what repent means, and come back toward him. And I believe his arms are wide open And he's saying, just hit this big red reset button called grace and fall into my arms. And because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, if you will do that, I will then treat you as though you never sinned. The Bible says God does not treat us as our sins deserve. The hard part is putting it down and turning our backs on it and walking away from it. But if we will do that, we will find true grace. Brad, the challenge, I imagine, for Christian believers and for the church is to speak up and say, this is bad. If you just simply say, uh, there are good things, there are bad things. When we talk about pornography, we are talking about something that is bad. Sometimes I feel like there is a uh, an accusation that's made against uh, Christian believers as though you're some sort of a wowser. Uh, to speak up against these sorts of things and say it is harmful and you need to draw a line, you need to say no more. Uh, But there is a sense that people are afraid of that sort of tag of being a bit of a wowser and you don't want to raise the issue of pornography. How do you, as a Christian believer, uh, pluck up the courage to say no more, enough is enough, let's label that as bad and let's work against it Uh, to try and uh, bring some level of safety to a new generation. Neil, we have been influenced by some uh, great preachers and teachers in our our generation, and unfortunately, we've been exposed to a lot who are very popular, but they uh, want to not offend. It's a form, I believe, of, of political correctness that has been spiritualized and brought into the church. And so for me, for example, both covers of the first book that I wrote in this series called The Dark Side of Technology, as well as Digital Cocaine, I've been challenged by some that I should change the covers because they're negative. Uh, There have been a couple of instances where I was not uh, invited to speak because the tone of the books are negative. And so what they want is positive, 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 and so do I. But I believe uh, if we're going to preach the full counsel of God, we have to admit that there are two sides of the spiritual coin. There's the grace side and there's the judgment side, and so you have to mix the two. So the way that I approach it, and I think those of us who look to the authority and the inerrancy of the Word of God, is to fall madly in love with Jesus through his Word. So for me, for example, one of the key anchors in this subject, I turn to Matthew chapter 5, and I go to the 27th and 28th verse. And with compassion and love, I quote it, and I quote the very words of Jesus. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully, and of course that's what pornography is. Uh, This is Brad speaking here, not the Bible. Uh, Looking is what pornography is all about. But to continue on with the verse, uh, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Now, That verse is not going to change just because someone labels it as a negative verse, or you shouldn't quote that because we have visitors. God's not going to get all in a panic and change that to suit us. It's up to us to change to suit him. But I believe Jesus spoke those harsh words 
not because he's mad at us or hates us, quite the opposite. This is such a serious topic, this issue of lust. He wants our marriages to be fantastic. He wants them to be great. He wants dads to have a tremendous relationship with the children. He wants the church to be vibrant. And so he's sending a warning to us of how serious it is. And so if we just stay away from porn and the lust or if we battle it, get the accountability that we need, those verses will not apply to us. Grace will apply to us. So it's all in how you look at it. But we have cherry-picked verses, to be honest with you, in the West. I don't find that to be the case in Africa uh, necessarily. In some places, yes. But generally speaking, you'll find revival in Africa. You'll find it in Central and South America, tremendous revival among Hispanics as well. But they preach the full counsel of God. And so for me, I believe we have sacrificed and perhaps poured, uh, poured some water on the Word of God in an effort to suit the culture, to make ourselves friendly. And we should be friendly, Neil. You know that. We, we're not, if we don't love people, nobody's going to be drawn to us. But not at the expense of compromising God's Word. Helping you make sense of life, culture, and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Brad Huddleston is our guest, internationally respected speaker, consultant, teacher and author on the important issues such as technology and culture. We're taking calls 1-800-316-316. Brad, let's take a call. Uh, Tim has been waiting very patiently. Tim from Eden's Landing in Queensland. Hello, Tim. Welcome along. Hi, Neil. Hi, Brad. I just want to say, look, I was a a pastor's kid from a traditional church and I ended up totally demonised from fornication and pornography. And what I found was when I got out of it was um, if I didn't surrender all of my appetites to the Lord, it would just switch to something else. So I was really starting to get into like animal fights and stuff on the Internet, like, you know, wildlife fights and stuff. And I was getting, you know, like uh, the adrenaline, you know, from that or um, also food. I just switched to something else. You know, it's like some people can switch to alcohol or drugs or whatever. But if you're not getting the kick from the pornography or the fornication, it's it's quite easy to just switch to something else, and I've, I've uh, within myself I felt like I had to surrender all of my appetites, no matter what it was, to the Lord because I wasn't capable of handling it myself. Tim, good thoughts, uh, Brad. Your response to Tim? Yeah, thank you, Tim, for being transparent about that. Uh, those are called gateways. Sometimes you will. Uh, take, substitute one extreme stimuli for another, and yeah, that happens quite often. And so the goal uh, that we're finding becomes uh, activities that are non-stimulating or less stimulating. And so we put them in two categories, analog and digital. Now, analog obviously means non-digital, and those activities, and, and there are some exceptions. There are some adrenaline-driven addictions like BMX biking and uh, you know, extreme snowboarding and things like that. But what you want to do is figure out uh, what you like, uh, things that are much less stimulating, such as hiking, such as fishing and things like that, and and substitute. It's a, You have to substitute. You cannot leave a void when you get off of anything that you're addicted to, whether that be drugs, pornography, social media, what have you. You can't just leave the void. But the goal is to pick activities that generate less dopamine. Dopamine is not your enemy until it gets in very high quantities, and so you want to enjoy life. So board games are a great thing to go to, especially if you have kids. Play board games with kids, not the digital version, but the the table version. Uh, Card games, and as I said, physical activity is one of the best things that you can do for a number of reasons and a number of areas in your body, but your brain especially. 
and uh, you're going to help burn up the negative stress hormones from a, from the addiction, no matter what you're addicted to, because again, it's all in the same place. But uh, definitely substitute. Be careful not to substitute one extreme stimuli for another, uh, as Tim just correctly pointed out. Make sure it's something low key, and then uh, it'll take a while, depending on how you know bad the addiction is. Once you detox and that wall, that resistance starts to erode, you can then start to enjoy the small things. But listen, it's going to be very hard at first. Ask anyone who's ever detoxed from drugs or alcohol. It is absolutely miserable for a season, but then your feelings, your calmer feelings will return and you can enjoy those less stimulating things. Tim from Eden's Landing, thanks so much. Uh, great input today here on 2020. one 316 just a few minutes out from news. Let's take a call, an anonymous caller. Hello, welcome along. Hello, how are you? Hi there. What are your thoughts? Hi. Um, yeah, just my comment is that um, from my experience before as a Christian um, in porn, is that you can't actually unsee those images. And, um, you know, once I became a believer, you know, it's taken me, you know, five or six years to actually really appreciate my own wife, you know, instead of those images. And, um, you know, it takes, you know, it's a lot of work. It doesn't just go away once you stop. So that's, you know, so insidious in that way. Uh, Good thoughts. Uh, Your response, Brad? Yeah, that is very, very good point. Um, What happens is in, in about three thirty seconds of a second, every image that we look at, particularly in porn because it is so stimulating, is burned into the brain permanently. And so the issue becomes management. However, the news is not all bad. What you do, because of neuroplasticity, which is the brain's ability to grow uh, new circuitry, what you can actually do if you are intentional, and Dr. Archibald Hart, who's written a great book called Thrilled to Death, How the Endless Pursuit of Pleasure is Leaving Us Numb, talks about being very intentional. It's sort of like the garbage in, garbage out. If you are very intentional to put the Word of God uh, in your brain and other activities that are not sinful and they're slow-paced, what will happen over time, and it does take time, new brain growth will happen via neuroplasticity right over top of the images. And so while you can trigger those images and you have to be accountable, you have to be very careful, over time you will not live in those images anymore. You live over top of those images, uh, so to speak. And so you have to be conscientious to do that. And so what happens a lot of times, uh, Neil, when a a married couple are enjoying their intimacy, um, guys will say, you know, I have a really hard time not thinking of another female, for example. And so over time, what you have to do is take every thought captive. Now, that's the term that we Christians use because it's a biblical term, but even those in the secular realm will say something very similar to that. You replace thoughts. But that's exactly what God has been telling us all along. I often say these poor neuroscientists are finally catching up with God. But we, we have to substitute, and over time, new brain, new brain growth, and as was just correctly pointed out, the struggle gets easier the longer and the more intentional you are. The longer you stick with it, the more intentional you are about uh, what you put in. Brad, I'll have to cut in here because we're about to go to news. Uh, Thanks to that anonymous caller, we'll take more calls after the news. Brad Huddleston, our guest, talking through issues in his DVD series called Pornia, available from Vision Store, and we're talking through those issues, continuing after news. Uh, Brad, let's take a call. Steve is in New South Wales. Hello, Steve. Welcome along to 2020. Steve, are you with us? Good, Steve. Uh, What are your thoughts on our conversation today? Well, mate, 
just not long ago you took a call and you were saying that um, if someone's to give up drugs or alcohol, they'll go through a season that's really gonna they're really gonna suffer. And I don't really agree with that. Okay, um, Brad, uh, your your thoughts on uh, on coming through uh, seasons of addiction? Well, from a physiological point of view, you can uh, you can count on having a hard time. Now, what that I don't want to discount the power of God. Uh, there are, I think, one of the frustrating things about the Lord is that I have watched some people be delivered instantaneously, never to have a you know any DTS or any withdrawal or anything. Uh, on the other hand, uh, I have watched quite a number of people have to go through that, and then they get free. So I believe both are certainly possible, uh, and but most often, most often, people do have some sort of withdrawal, some severe, some not so severe, and everything in between. But yes, the Lord is able and often does uh, deliver people instantly. And again, my frustration is I wish he would do it every single time, but he's God and, and I'm not. Steve, does does that response answer your concern or your query? It does, but I just feel like I'm an ex-drug addict. Uh, I'm a, I used to be an alcoholic. I was a previous smoker, and I've given it all up with simply just asking God to take this from me. And because I believed, 100% believed that, and had faith that he would take it from me and that I wouldn't suffer withdrawals, that happened. I think that if people don't have complete faith that that will happen, then it won't happen. Steve, I think you have just. You have. A, I think you have an incredible testimony. That is a wonderful testimony of having been delivered from uh, those addictions uh, in an instantaneous way. And uh, I imagine that when you share that with friends, uh, they are amazed. And because those who've known you, what you were before and what you are today, they'd be amazed at your story. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so far as... I I agree with that. I I would also just caution to be very careful not to condemn other people whose faith might not be uh, as strong as yours, Steve. It may take other people a little while to get there, and our job is to encourage. Our job is to to speak healing. And so I do rejoice, and as I said, I fully admit that some people do have your experience, and it's great, and I wish everyone did. But unfortunately, some people, God will, will use that in other ways in their life. Okay, thank you so much to Steve from New South Wales. I appreciate your call. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. Back onto these issues, uh, Pornia, and uh, statistics from Australia. Uh, You've been researching all over the world. Uh, You do some work with a university in South Africa. You're in the US as we speak right now, Brad, in the state of Virginia and taking your evening to talk to us. And certainly we appreciate that. But uh, you're also a regular visitor to Australia. You keep your eye on the Australian context. What should we understand about those sorts of statistics that are about in Australia that show the direction we're heading? Well, you know... Neil, I have a great love for Australia because it's Beth and I considered our second home. We've been coming since the year 2000, and uh, our closest friends are in Australia, and so it's in our hearts. And I can tell you, as I travel all over the country in every major city and a whole lot of very small towns, everywhere I go, on the one hand, I'm very encouraged because young people will often confess their porn addiction. Uh, but on the other hand, it's disturbing because the numbers continue to grow and the ages get younger. Back in July of 2016, a Courier-Mail uh, reported 
on this very issue on some research that had come out. And the headline uh, read, almost all, I want to say that again, almost all 16-year-old boys are porn users. So I would like to read just a little bit of the article. Boys as young as 12 are so addicted to online porn they cannot make it through the school day without fulfilling their, quote, need to see explicit images teachers and academics have warned. Research table to the Senate inquiry into the harm that Internet porn was having on children claimed up to 95% of 16-year-old boys are now regular users of pornography, and kids as young as six were exposed to it due to its constant availability via online devices. Now, one of the things that disturbed me, not only those statistics alone disturbed me, but the Courier-Mail put that on page 23. Um, in my opinion... That should have been on the first page with a very big, bold headline because it's a crisis. And in my state here in Virginia and, and in, uh, several other states in my country, uh, our government officials have actually declared it uh, a statewide health crisis. The GOP, the, the grand old party, the Republican Party here has declared it a national um, emergency. So I'm glad that the, the, the politicians are, are standing up now. I'm not sure how much good it's done, but at least the ball has, has begun to roll and the conversation has, has happened. It needs to happen in Australia. There are a lot of people concerned. But the, obviously the problem is you have some people who see nothing wrong with it, and you see people who see a lot wrong with it, but it is becoming detrimental. And I think, I hope, if we can find common ground, we can all agree that children – uh, those very impressionable, very young children should be kept far, far away. So almost all 16-year-old boys, 95% now, are regular porn users in Australia. And uh, and the girls, the female population, as you correctly quoted, is also growing with that. Well, let's talk uh, political motivations here uh, to try and contain porn because, as you're saying, uh, that there are some nations, you're even talking about the uh, the uh, Republican Party in the U.S. saying it's a national emergency there. Uh, I don't hear anything much like that in our mainstream media here in Australia. Political motivations do mean something. There are some ways that uh, you can limit the availability of pornography by going through Internet service providers. Uh, what do you think uh, the political motivation needs to be, Brad, uh, for our Australian context? Well, it would be the same around the world, Neil. It's a public health crisis because of the breakdown. I'll just read some of the, the headlines from the various countries, uh, not just Australia and America, but the Mail Online, this is reported in the U.K., about Germany's crisis as well. Uh, and this says, and this is not a pornography site I'm reading to you. This is the Mail uh, Online, uh, a major newspaper. And it says bestiality brothels are spreading through Germany, warns campaigner as abusers turn to sex with animals as a, quote, lifestyle choice. And then the Telegraph reported that incest is a fundamental right, a German committee says. And then back in February of 2016, the youth voters in Sweden uh, were arguing that incest and necrophilia, which is sex with corpses, should be legalized. These, these are headlines in the mainstream news now. And I obviously believe it goes back to the brain where you have to shock it. You have to have something more novel and taboo. So there's motivation when you start to see headlines like this from the government to, you know, there just comes a point when even people who are not Christians say, hey, that that is just gone too far. And so people in the secular world are even raising this up. 
But if you'll recall, one of the things that happened back in 2007 in Australia, uh, the government spent $84 million Australian dollars to put a filter uh, in place whereby uh, folks could have pornography born, uh, banned or filtered out nationwide, and it took about a half hour for a teenager to crack it. And down went the filter, down went $84 million Australian dollars. And so it's very difficult, uh, and as far as I know, the Australian government has not made efforts to put that back into place. It was almost as if they just gave up. So it does need to be attacked, but it's difficult because you have arguing here in America, one of the largest lobbyist organizations in Washington, D.C. is the pornography lobby. So they're putting lots of money into congressmen's hands, and so there's a conflict there not to want to do much about it. And our GOP, it was prior to the election of, of President Trump when they declared it uh, an emergency. But since he's been elected, I haven't heard anything about it either. It was something that happened prior to the election, and so I hope that it comes up. I'm not hearing much in Australia, and as I said, that headline from the Courier-Mail back in July of 2016 appeared on page 23. Okay. Uh, let's continue to take uh, some calls. Alan is in New South Wales. Hello, Alan. Welcome along to 2020. What are your thoughts? Thank you very much. Uh, well, I've been um, I've been married now for 38 years, and that's absolutely fantastic. Three lovely children, um, and I had a real um, serious issue with pornography before I got saved. And 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 I can honestly say before God that um, I've never been uh, involved in any of that since I've been married. And that, that, that's a miracle because I was heavily addicted. I was working in a situation where there were naked books on the walls of the places I worked and obviously, you know, um, garbage in, garbage out. And um, my concern, though, is that uh, what can I do, what can godly men do to be able to go into a, you know, to a magazine shop or service station and say to the people look you know that's really detriment that's offensive I don't like that and funny enough the word Bowser I understand is is an acronym we only want social evil moved. Alan you're cutting in and out a little bit there I'm not sure if uh, you can hear everything there Brad but uh, your response to Alan? Yeah I believe I got the gist of that Neil um Basically, I think what he was saying was, how do we go into the public arena, into the stores and so forth, and say we find that offensive? Um, you know, I, I'm all for that, uh, and I, I think that we should uh, let our, our voice and be known in the culture. In other words, we should confront the culture, and how we do that becomes very important. First of all, we should be very friendly uh, and professional about it and not be antagonistic, but, you know, show love to our community. And then once folks know that you are reasonable – and that you are friendly, they may not agree, but they will at least listen to you, and I'm all for that. However, I would also say that the Scripture doesn't say uh, probably near as much about confronting the culture as it does for us, about us as Christians, separating ourselves from the culture. And it says to come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord, and that's where we get our word holiness from. And it says be separate and do not touch the unclean thing, and then if you will do those things, I will then receive you. And so the onus really is on us not to separate ourselves so much that we don't confront the culture, because here in America, I'm involved in politics. I think we should be. But I think I should be involved more about guarding my heart and my mind by not doing things that the world does. 
And so that's really the solution. And we find then our strength within our own Christian faith and community and having like-minded people who are staying away from it. We find strength uh, in talking about it and helping others over it so that uh, we know that we have a safe place to come and, and confess our sins one to another that we may be healed. So, yes, confront the culture, but I would say spend a bit more time coming out from among them and teaching our children how to do that and safeguarding them as well. Helping you make sense of life, culture, and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Brad Huddleston's DVD series is called Pornia. He's also author of a book called Digital Cocaine, A Journey Toward Eye Balance and the Dark Side of Technology, Restoring Balance in the Digital Age. Uh, We're running short of time a little, but let's take another call. Jonathan is in Perth. Hello, Jonathan. Welcome along. Jonathan, what are your thoughts? uh, I was listening, you know, for long ago, I was going to call him, is. It's very easy as young people are, as old people are addicted today, and it destroys millions of people in the world today. And because uh, I don't know somebody was talking about government will put something on it, they are addicted to government, even the official police, whoever are addicted to pornography, how can they ban it? It becomes part of their life. So if we, the Christian, will not stand against this to keep our children from it, we all will be destroyed by it because we. We see how it gives money. You know, many people are there. Some thousands or thousands of people walk into all this. That's a, prof- a profession. So they have to ban it. Except God, instead through Christians, step in to know what to watch and what not to look at. It will always be that way. because Jonathan, some significant things it. you're sharing there. If we don't make a stand and do something about it, it will destroy us. Your thoughts, Brad? Yeah, a hearty amen to what he's saying. Uh, you know, easier to say sometimes than, than do because it's hit us like a tsunami. And as I've been saying, we're a little late uh, to the table the Christians are in dealing with it. But we are doing it now. And uh, you guys at Vision have, have always given me a platform to talk about these difficult things. And so we're, we're, all, we're doing the right thing. Um, but, you know, really a changed heart. And I want to add to what he is saying and just say it simply this way. We need revival. And that's going to come through a lot of prayer, introspection, and repentance. And that will take us further than anything in curing this problem. Thank you so much to Jonathan from Perth. Uh, time for one more call. Let's hear from John in New South Wales. Hello, John. Welcome along. Hello, uh, Neil and, and, uh, and Brad. And Brad. Uh, yeah, sorry. Having a brain fade then. That's all right. What are yeah, your thoughts, I John? I <laughs> uh, just want to make a brief comment. Um, the good Lord had, uh, freed me from the chains of alcohol about 30 years ago, and uh, pornography uh, you know, quite a few years ago now. And uh, I started walking the Christian path about five years ago. And um, one, of the, one of the wonderful things about uh, walking the Christian path is getting back to really good, clean fun. Just, just uh, you know, just uh, everyday stuff and having... Yeah, you know, and just enjoying being out with your wife or or friends, and and just enjoying yeah, really good clean fun. John, good thoughts there. Your response, Brad. A hearty amen. Uh, I got to the point where I was so digitally addicted at one point, Neil. I had to retrain myself to go fishing and hunting, which are those type of activities that John was just speaking of. But it took time. But now uh, I make it a point to do a lot of that, but, but the love of it came back because I was so addicted to the screen. I found the other, you know, so less stimulating, but the brain can be retrained 
and those less stimulating things can be enjoyed. It takes time. You have to be intentional and work at it. But with God's help, all things are possible. Absolutely. Thank you so much to John from New South Wales. Uh, Great input, and thanks to everyone who's called in through the hour. Let's spend these uh, final few minutes, Brad, talking solutions, because no doubt uh, there'll be those listening to our conversation today saying, uh, give me some hope, give me some solutions, give me some things I can do right now, because I know these things need to be addressed in my own life or in members of my family or people I know in my local church. Where do we start with solutions, Brad? Well, finally, we get to something positive, Neil. I tell you, I'm, I kind of have feel like I need to apologize. Normally, I'm chipper and joking around, but this is my least favorite thing to deal with, as you can well imagine. But the Lord has asked us to do this, and so we're going to do it and do it with all of our heart. But yes, there is hope. My goodness, uh, God is bigger than these, these addictions. Uh, he loves us. His grace is available. The first very practical thing that I would say, Neil, as I say about all addictions, and when it comes to technology, which, of course, pornography is coming through our phones predominantly, statistically speaking, is simply remove all technology out of bedrooms. And if you're a parent, don't be a friend to your child. Be their parent and take the devices. Don't just ask them to turn it off. Go get it and put up with a fight and all that you have to. Eventually, it'll all simmer down or settle down, rather, and just get the technology out of the bedroom. Most of the pornography watching, the sexting, and all of these things that are born out of pornography happens with the door closed, especially in homes whose parents say, my child is a good child and would never do that. Of course they do. And so get it out of the bedroom and sleep. Sleep for the uh, the proper amount that you need for your age. Teenagers need nine and a quarter hours, and they need to turn off technology two hours before they get that nine and a quarter hours. And then adults need about eight Uh, to eight and a half. Infants need about 36 hours and it takes time of sleep. But if you will do that, you will feel so much better. The temptation will go away. Incorporate the exercise and the detox methods. The number one thing I would say outside of doing that, get involved in a church where people are real. Get involved in a church where people pray. Become friends with people who will not condemn you if you need to say, hey, I'm struggling with whatever it may be. They will accept you, but they will also hold you accountable but love you through it. The body of Christ, we are not taking advantage of that as we should. We hide things, and it's understandable why we do because of the shame. But in God's eyes, it's perfectly okay to find a group of people that you trust. And you don't need to tell your deepest, darkest sins to everybody in the church, just a group, a small group that you trust and the freeing power, because where two or three are gathered in his name, there he is in our midst. You combine that with the Word of God and discipline. After all, we are disciples. And there is hope available for you. There's there's great counselors in the body of Christ that if for a season you need somebody to just unload on, God will use that in your life as well. So turn to Jesus. Turn to the body of Christ the handful of people that you can trust. Get that technology out of the bedroom. And for a season, you may need to uh, swap your smartphone for a flip phone. If that's what it takes for a season until you can detox and get this thing under control with God's help, you do that. So replace flip phones with smartphones. And, uh, you know, Neil, there's something to be said, too, about replacing all electronic babysitters with humans. The children, that's what's breaking my heart so much right now, are the young children who are finding pornography because they Googled Disney innocently, and the pornographers who are using Disney porn to get 
their sites way up in the in the queue. It's breaking my heart. Don't use the the devices as babysitters. Replace them with humans and stare into the face of that child and make faces and and just enjoy them. And so that's what I would say. Um, there is, you know, this is solvable. That's what is so encouraging. This is absolutely solvable. But we're going to have to turn to God and humble ourselves. But if we will do that in due season, the Scripture says God will lift us up. Well, I'll point people to the DVD series, and it is entitled Pornia, and it is available at the Vision Store. And I know a lot of our listeners have uh, ventured into the Vision Store, and oftentimes when we've had a guest and talking about their book, or their DVD series. Uh, It's been popular in the Vision Store, and uh, this one certainly is going to be helpful for individuals and for families. Uh, It's called Pornia, P-O-R-N-E-I-A, and the Vision Store, of course, if you go to vision.org.au, there'll be a link there to the store, but either that or go to store.vision.org.au. Brad Huddleston, our guest. There is also a website you can go and uh, you can read some more about Uh, the sorts of things we've been talking about today, Uh, some background on Brad Huddleston, bradhuddleston.com. And uh, Brad, just good all round getting your insights today. And uh, no doubt we'll do this again another day because perhaps uh, talking on radio is one of the best platforms for talking about this type of issue. Not always so easy to talk about in the local church, and that perhaps is why many churches don't uh, tackle it more uh, regularly than they do, but uh, certainly a good opportunity to talk on radio and we'll do this again another day too thanks so much for being with us brad neil thank you i appreciate you and your friendship and uh just appreciate everyone today for listening to this hard hard subject bless you before you go thanks for listening there's lots more great audio on demand or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au and remember vision is listener supported Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.